Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of This Korean Life, coming to you from Ulsan City. Today's podcast is brought to you by WeHope, the only foreign-run NGO based in the southern part of the peninsula. It is dedicated to working with disadvantaged youth, fostering growth and awareness in communities, and improving the lives of those in need. WeHope runs a variety of programs and fundraising events in Ulsan, Busan, and Daegu. Uh, if you'd like to volunteer or make a donation, please visit the website at www.wehopekorea.org or check them out on Facebook. That website again is www.wehopekorea.org. This podcast is also brought to you by JJ's. JJ's is Ulsan's favorite expat hangout north of the river. Patrick and June serve up cold drinks and delicious pub food daily. Their famous poutine is the only one of its kind in Ulsan. Wednesday is burger night with resident chef Tony Rowell uh, at the grill whipping up some tasty burgers. Visit JJ's on Facebook to find out more about upcoming parties and events. Uh, guys, today's guest is Troy McDonald. Troy was a, a teacher in Ulsan for maybe 10 or 15 years, and he left about 10 years ago. We were lucky to catch him while he was back uh, visiting family on vacation. Uh, Troy has, has moved home and, um, and re-educated himself. Uh, he's got lots of good information to share about uh, you know, running businesses in Korea and uh, and the blah, and the transition back home. I'll get it. I'll get it. Um, anyways, I hope you guys uh, hope you guys enjoy listening. You are now tuned into this Korean life with your hosts Brian and Nate. Hello everyone, welcome back to This Korean Life, our uh, our podcast out of Ulsan, South Korea. This is our second uh, our second episode. I'm here with Nate and uh, an old friend who's visiting from Canada, Troy. Troy is uh, is a legend, a legend in these <laughs> in these parts uh, in these parts of town, opening and uh, and running successfully um, one of uh, Ulsan's probably first foreigner bars. Is that right? Uh, there was one before that, the Royal Anchor. Oh yeah, yeah. And then, uh, then retired under that one, then opened Ben Gormers. Uh, okay. Um, we also will be providing um, for this episode. We'll uh, we'll provide subtitles for uh, for Troy's <laughs> hard to, hard to understand Eastern Canadian accent. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, <laughs> I'm I was going to ask if you brought your translator with you. <laughs> it's we're glad we're glad to have you, man. How uh, how's your stay been so far? Fantastic. It's nice to, uh, not to be buried by 85 centimeters of snow, as well as minus 20 weather every single day, like it is in Ottawa at the current time. No doubt. I was just talking to Dad in Winnipeg. He said it's the coldest winter on record. They're expecting record floods, and it's still minus 25. And there's that much snow left behind. Yeah. Well, I was, I, you remember Stacy? I was seeing pictures from her that she was posting from the East Coast. Five feet of snow on the roof. They're just getting destroyed right now. That's terrible. Jeez. Now, if you had to, I mean, with you must have noticed the air coming here. Yes. Air quality, yeah, terrible. Yeah. If you had to choose air quality or snow, what are you taking? Excellent question. <laughs> uh, I, take, I take the snow for sure, but yeah, I guess the the snow doesn't hurt. Yeah, no doubt. It but. used to be fun as kids. I mean, snow machining, ice fishing, 
building tunnels and forts yeah. and toboggan runs. It That's was because great. dad was shoveling yeah, the driveway exactly. at six in the morning. Now, <laughs> now the most important item in your house is a shovel. <laughs> it could be a matter of life or death if that thing breaks. What uh, I was going to ask you, what's the first things that hit you when you when you got back? You said it's been a little while. How two, and a, two and a half, three years since my last visit over. So, I don't know. It seems like stuff changes here by the week or by the month. What, what were the first things that hit you when you came back? Skyline is continuously changing here. Yeah. Uh, every Especially out in Onion. Yes, exactly. Behind they, the KTX, that huge, yeah. They put the seeds in, and mm. then they add water, and a couple months later, <laughs> there's another <laughs> apartment complex. Uh, yes, so and I used to live right near the, under pretty much under the KTX tracks. We had a small place there for a little while, mm. and... Uh, that's gone now. It doesn't exist. It's dirt. Yeah. And uh, yeah, down these giant that apartments. Huge complexes yeah. up there now, yeah. And there's there's even more as we drove around. Even well, when you go out, do you know out towards the orphanage? Yes, the orphanage there's, is gone. Yeah. yeah, there's that whole... No, yeah, it's buried in yeah. there. Another monster, two complexes there that are just huge now. They weren't there when I was here <laughs> yeah. before. I remember, yeah, amazing. I remember taking the taking a bus to Seoul in our, you know, Jim Yoon. We were passing Gu Young Lee and he goes... You know, when I first came here, that wasn't there. And I couldn't conceptualize it. How, how could you possibly build a, a whole section of a city? And then I watched it develop with, uh, with Hyakushin Doshi on the way to the, what was it, Pupu Sinandro? Yeah. On the, on the big street from here going towards Costco. And you just, every day you drive by, my in-laws live, or that space of the city is between my house and my in-laws. And driving there every week, every two weeks, you look at it. Where, where did that apartment come from? There, there's six new buildings. There's there's six floors since last week. It's, it's unreal. But after living here for this long, my question now is, why is it so slow at home? Yeah. I mean, here, <laughs> China, Japan, and anywhere, that they're serious. I mean, they get her done. Why does it take years at home to build a 40, 50-story building? Unions. I, <laughs> that, that's become my question. Weekends not not off, that yeah. Asia is so weird and crazy and fast anymore. This is my now my normal. And This is your norm. Wow. Home is crazy that it takes them that long to do that stuff. Now, ironically, I work in construction at home. Yeah. <laughs> Are you burying bodies? Too? And I'm the health and safety guy. So <laughs> I may be slowing so shit down. So you're the reason yeah. why it takes so long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I am anti-progress. But at the same time, um, should should we be progressing at a at super at super fast rates or? Taking the the old school mentality, slow and if it's your money invested and, and, and you're waiting for the return, you're gonna want it done as fast as possible. Wait, but I think I mean just if generally. you're the safety officer and and you get in trouble every time someone falls off the the scaffolding, then yeah, cool. you're gonna want to take it a little slower. Mm. Troy, how um, when you were when you were here or when did you come to to Korea? Um, August first, nineteen ninety nine. This is twenty years, boys. <laughs> no way. Yeah, it goes by in the wink of an eye. Indeed, it? all the cliches are true. No doubt. And uh, coming, coming here, you're you obviously you came as a teacher. Yep. You had a job before you came. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine uh, had been in Korea, been in Ulsan for a year. In, uh, from 97 to 98 mm. or 98, 99. Uh, come home, bumped into me, said, well, to come to Korea. I said, that sounds like a blast. And two weeks later, I was here. What were you doing at the time back home? <laughs> I was working at a casino as a bartender. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Fully qualified with a university degree. Were you a flair bartender? No. A little flippy flippy? No. <laughs> the uh, Speed. Efficient. Yeah. The, um, so you came here how, uh, how long after until, uh, until you decided to open... Uh, so you decided to open bench warmers. Uh, well, bench warmers came a little while later. It, I was, I think, I was behind a bar 
within my first two months of be- getting off the airplane here. Is that Anchor? Mackenzie's. Mackenzie's. Ser- serving or sucking at the taps? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. Mackenzie's has a new owner, and we were there soliciting him for uh, gift card donations for our NGO. Yeah. And uh, he's a new guy, and he's, he's really eager to connect with the foreign or expat community. But I went in there to, to ask him and, and introduce our organization and to ask him for a donation and he says okay okay come sit down and he pulls out the tequila and i said it's wednesday night i gotta work tomorrow i just came in for five minutes like you sit down and he pours a double shot of tequila and i went oh man i have to drive i i don't i'm allergic to tequila he's like you drink it or i don't give you any gift cards and and so so i had it so anyways we got two hundred dollars and we got we got a bunch of gift cards anyways mckenzie's is back up and and yeah, I don't. Uh, you want to talk about changes since I've left? Is that whole area of down old downtown? No doubt. Yeah, yeah that was amazing. Uh, part of the reason why I chose the location for bench warmers because I knew that development was coming. Unfortunately, they waited till the <laughs> seventh year. <laughs> the seventh year after I sold it. <laughs> no doubt. No, but that's uh, it's really cool. Even down, uh, not too. What's that? Bench warmer. Sorry, has has changed into uh, into JJ's and. Along that street, it's like a walking path it's of like historical. Shops and, 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 yeah, it's, it's cool. It's fantastic. It? It's fully, uh, fully. Is there anything at home that that you can recall that changes as fast as it does here? No, not even. I don't even mean the big scale buildings, but like you say, like just taking a street like the old Mugadong Street. Yes. It used to be a dirt road. Yeah, and, even and when now, I came and here, now yeah. it's like a a full walking street with all. All the they bells do, and whistles they do and Christmas, Christmas lights, and you walk down. It's like a little like. And once they decide to problem. do it, it doesn't take any time at all. I wonder if part of the difference is is that back home we hear about the development from the start till the finish. So we hear about all the complaining, the studies, the results, the studies, the, the right. bit complaining back and forth. We don't hear about that here. Mm. That's all been done. We only see when shovels hit the ground and then the speed of progress. Right. So maybe there is some longer process. Well, you that might, we don't think yeah. about. Well, Nate might. Because you bought a an apartment out by the KTX, and he's, I guess you're in the know now about the the struggles. Yeah, but that's of, a, that's a, it's a that. separate kind of deal. It's not one of the ones where you just put your cash down, and they're already in the process of building. They have to. Mm. They haven't even started the procurement and stuff yet. So oh, okay. it's a different kind of different kind of setup. But I remember when I was at SK, and I was teaching a, a vice president there, and he was the head of procurement. And he said, at home, it's all separate individual stages. And you have to pass each stage before you get to the next stage. And here he said they do three or four stages at once. And as soon as it's done, boom, they start building. And that was why the speed of, you know, making new refineries in Vietnam or whatever, they could get through them so fast because they're they're working on multiple stages at the same time. Where at home, you can't even start the next stage of development until the first stage is done. Huh. And I thought that was interesting to see. That's one of the ways they can speed things up so quickly. Cool, cool, cool. cool. Being uh, being a business owner in in Korea, what yeah. uh, what challenges? I mean, to get it, you weren't you were a single guy at the time. No, well, or I you had a oh, you had a girlfriend. Sick, no, oh. he, met a, he met his wife online before he came. <laughs> <laughs> she came with the first contract. I came. I came, I came in ninety nine. There was no online. A one. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. A one room and a and a wife waiting. <laughs> no, there was uh, there was nothing absolutely in my name or connected to me. I was a volunteer. Oh, okay, okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. Uh, what? Um, so the be, challenges being were, a volunteer, yeah, being yeah. a volunteer bartender. What? Uh, what challenges did you did you face? Unforeseen. 
that you didn't... Uh... It was learning the business processes over here at first. Hmm. Uh, the one of them that shocked me right away is that we never paid taxes on our sales. We paid taxes on what we bought. So, really? yep. So when we would buy our beer supply, uh, I would pay tax based on I was going to sell all that beer, regardless of what price I chose to sell it at. I was taxed immediately on the purchase. Oh, my right. God. Not um, based on my sales. Oh. Yeah. So that uh, kind of threw me for a loop, and there was a um, that was that was the big one. Uh, but it was, of course, as the challenges we always have over here is uh, language. Yeah, um, and I learned just enough Korean to get by and run the bar, and yeah, sure. I could forget Korean when the inspector showed up and <laughs> frustrate him to the point where he just left. <laughs> and we had a good relationship for seven years. Well, I think that was a lot more common back. In our in our earlier days, I came in two thousand four, and that was right after you guys had opened. I think in yep. two thousand three, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think you can get away with that that foreigner card a lot more back in those days than you can these days. It's, mm-hmm. it's changed a lot, and a lot of policemen speak English now, and mm-hmm. they they don't uh, they, they're a little bit more serious now than they used to be. Yeah, we've uh, we've been over here for a couple of generations now. Yeah, right? sure, really and uh, they've adapted. Sure. <laughs> How to deal with us? <laughs> Not in a bad way, in a good way. No, like you no. said, um, yeah, the police speaking English. Yeah, uh, sure. Every now and then, I'd have one showed up who could tell me in perfect English, "Keep the noise down, or I'm shutting yeah. you down." Well, we right. we hope works closely with uh, with a few police stations now, and there's there's people who are fluent and have no problem. And their foreign affairs sections have yeah. evolved and developed. Drastically, and which is which is good. For it's everyone. fantastic. Yeah. And now, I mean, I've, I was teaching a couple of the chiefs in town, and they were they were leaving to go to the Philippines, one to New York, one to India, to work as an attaché in those departments because there's so many Koreans abroad now, and getting into lots of different kind of problems. Not necessarily creating the problems, but they're victims of many problems in the Philippines where they're seen as uh, rich and wealthy. So targets, yeah, they're targets, and now they. The Korean police are now going to those places where they can help out. So language is a definite, it's changed a lot. Where in the old days, yeah, they would just get frustrated and say, okay, oh, don't, I, be, don't be stupid anymore. One thing that hasn't changed is they still got their lights on advertising where they are. Yes, it's quite, <laughs> yeah, they're not, not sneaking up on Quite anybody. convenient for the criminal. Fill me in on what it's like at home. Are they still hiding behind the telephone poles? They are. Checking they the, are. the, the radars. Cars. And, yeah. Gotta look for a big Dodge Charger. Yeah. No, no rims. <laughs> No rims. No rims. Uh, It's one thing I do enjoy that they're on your side here, and usually they're they're nice and yeah, they advertise where they are. So uh, if you need help, you can you can find them. That's good. So um, also, I've um, I mean, our you've been home for eight years. No, two thousand twelve December. Okay, okay. Made the move. Yeah, so 2013. So we we overlap for about four years, but from from that time, I noticed that you were um, a hustler. I don't know if that's uh, if that's the right word, but I mean, not not, I not know, in a bad not way. A bad don't way. tell us about your teenagehood magazines. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, um, you were you published books. Yeah, you were doing corporate gigs. You were um, you weren't a one trick pony. Maybe is the is the is the way I should have should have phrased it. What. Uh, what was uh, money, obviously, but um, your your motivations are... I, there's millions of people here that come to teach and not everyone decides to publish uh, a series of books or, or get into company gigs. If you want to just shed some, sure. shed some light on that, how you got into it or... It was mostly uh, what, you know, you see, just saw a gap mm. and decided, you know what, I think I can come up with something that can help. Mm. 
Cool. At the say, like for example, where I get into doing teaching presentations and develop the program, how to do presentations, mm. was sitting through them yeah. over here with engineers <laughs> yeah. and uh, brilliant, brilliant individuals. And uh, I would laugh. I would laugh because they would get up there and they'd be explaining some amazing global changing information and then the uh, crowd would be five minutes into it looking at smartphones yeah for the whole hour presentation yeah. and then just dealing with uh teaching teaching adults and how can i help question and the one they always come up with was i have to stand up and speak in front of people and i don't right. want to do it yeah so then i got the work it took me a year uh luckily i had the same group of guys i said guys give me a year and mm. i'm going to come back with a with a tool to teach you guys how to do presentations and then it kind of that one kind of took off from there it's funny to think even when i when i first came here how i haven't taken any classes or anything but how over a 12 year 12 year career your your skill your skills develop and i mean you turn it into a teachable uh, learning learning by doing it's the easiest way to learn i don't i don't remember any grammar or structures or anything from from being in elementary school but being here and <laughs> no teaching them now. i've taught myself so much and, and now i think i'm pretty well versed in that stuff mm. but i mean if you ever asked me those questions when i came here i would have had no oh, idea God. it took me i'd say three years before i realized i was a bad teacher for three years <laughs> <laughs> and then it was uh the rest of it was just working on my craft yeah and sure. as that happened then that's kind of where the textbooks came from mm. um my wife and i uh, we were approached uh, the book rep, every time the book rep would show up to sell his books at the hog one, she'd complain that she's looking for a particular type that has this topics in there. And right. I finally said, well, you got some good ideas. Why don't you talk to this publisher? Mm. And we there pitched him the idea. He liked it. And nice. Yeah, that was that. I think the going back to the public speaking there and the presentations and stuff, I think that's one of the biggest skills now that's sought after because I was at Eunice for five years there and so many of those students have to go to international conferences if they're in these, uh, the KAIST, DGIST, UNIST, whatever, the science and tech unis, and they have to present their data. Yep. And they know it. They they can do it on their own. They can do it in their dorm, but they just can't stand up there and be effective communicators. And it's so essential for them if they're going to international conferences to have that confidence and be able to do that. Um, so I was teaching a presentation course there. And I think for all of these guys now, you know, traveling around any business, any uh, students that are that are going international, that's it's essential for them. Look at, I mean, I think a, a good presenter can be the difference between success and in sure. mediocrity. Look at uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who the you know he knows all about the the planets and the and the stars or whatever, and he can articulate it for. Uh, for the masses, he he can say it in a way that you understand and and slightly humorous, and you know he he can keep your attention with with really deep, you know, with a with a really deep uh, a deep subject. So cool. The um, taking that public speaking stuff, as Nate alluded to, um, it's not just speaking in another language; it's speaking, being able to deliver in your own language, mm. and that's what I always try to get the point across. Mm. The skills you're learning has nothing to do with English. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Has to do with whatever language you speak to getting up and deliver in a clear, concise manner, so that people and the other can, people understand what you're mm. trying to tell them. Yeah. And now that I work in construction over in Canada, it's the same thing. Mm. I'm dealing with engineers who are really, really bright guys, mm. and they may have the newest way to eliminate fossil fuels, mm. but nobody's paying attention to them because they suck at doing presentations. Yeah, I can't wow. communicate it. And so I've actually I do a lot of training. Uh, my first job back in Ottawa was as a trainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the last time I came home, I think you were you were okay. there. Yeah. And uh, 
my first couple courses, I was thinking, this is a breeze. I have delivered speeches in front of Yuchiwan students. <laughs> 30 of them with no Korean teacher. This right. is nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. No yeah, it's amazing. Same for me now. I mean, through the through We Hope, we have so many opportunities now in front of city officials or, or mm. our youth teams or whatever. And I'm so comfortable just from having done it for so long and it lecturing is. at university and and I'm any kind of situation, I'm still very, very, maybe the first five seconds is that, that nervous feeling. And then poof. And it got, sh it used to be five minutes or yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. be nervous for days oh, before yeah. and days after. And now it's, you're still a little nervous before you go in or you start, but then five seconds later, you're, you're yeah. in your zone. So. That's, I, I always keep that in mind. Like, you know, if we're, if we're doing a, we hope thing, we had, uh, what was it probably a couple hundred kids for the, the special lecture series. And I, I went up, I was like, we had that moment of realization, like I'm almost totally comfortable with going in and having no script, and I'll just kind of, you know, I'll use my PPT and, and just speak freely, and it, it's it's cool, man. How well, it develops develops slowly, and as a teacher over here, you learn to deal with all kinds of situations. No doubt, in delivering in front of people, keeps uh, keeps on your toes. And you got to be flexible; it's always changing. That's right. Your your twenty person audience could turn to fifty in a in a hurry, <laughs> like it did for me at the university last week there first day of classes and I was expecting 20 students and all of a sudden I had 44 and I went wow <laughs> what happened ironically I joined uh, all the classes my job interview to try to get a job at Unist when mm. it first opened we had to do a presentation mm. and um, <laughs> uh, they wanted me to do a presentation how I deliver my classes and my English and my theory and everything and I know everything about teaching English <laughs> yeah and uh, so I was, I was confident <laughs> And I had my PowerPoint ready to go, and I stood up, and I began, and I said, Hi, how you doing? My name is Troy McDonald. I'm from uh, Sydney, Nova Scotia, Canada. And the boss, the CEO, the president mm -hmm. of the university puts his hand up and says, Sydney's not in Canada. Sydney's in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. I could not recover. I completely bombed it. And now Nate's been working there for five years. Good uh, Lord. Yeah. And I realized I suck at doing presentations. That's the difference between Sydney and Thunder Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no Thunder Bay in Australia that everybody knows about. Slap the fire off the table. Uh, yeah, he uh, he destroyed me one one sentence because now I had to embarrass him. Oh, <laughs> no, there's another one. Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> and that was it. Couldn't recover. Couldn't do a presentation. And... What? <laughs> what? Well, listen. Take take me back to. Your earlier days here when sure. you and Sharon were dating. What, <laughs> oh, what, what was it like back then? I mean, I didn't uh -huh. I didn't start having a girlfriend or, or serious dating till probably ten years after you did. What what was it like Actually, I've heard in those days so I, long ago? I know with Jeff who probably met his wife before you mm -hmm, met Sharon. Mm -hmm. Um he was saying, I mean, he used to get chirped on the street. He would walk down the street and like a and dis disgruntled old man would be like, uh, well, I what think do you do with this we guy? still get that sometimes if it's if it's later at yeah. night, if we're out at night on a date or something, there's still people, especially the older generation. Where's that, this guy hanging out? That uh, Samson. <laughs> <laughs> that lets you know that. But what about in, in general back then? What was it like? Um, so her and I started dating 2001. And... Uh, so Ulsan was still in its uh, infant stage of dealing with foreigners. <laughs> yeah, sure. And that was before the World Cup, so yeah, so didn't even have that yet. That's correct. So in my opinion, there's two Ulsans. There's Ulsan pre World Cup and right. Ulsan post World Cup. Yeah. And uh, so there was um, 
you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot to, we had to deal with off and on. We were, you know, very rare where we get chirped on the street or with any problems like that. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't, um, I, I don't really have any dramatic stories like that. I know the guys who have been there a year, couple years before myself, mm. they had a hard time. Especially yeah. if you're talking about dealing with a family dynamic. Mm. Everybody went through that back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, I can imagine. It seems yeah. the attitude has changed a little bit now. Mm. Right? I, but I, I think that's a general attitude that it's okay. But once you find out it's your daughter or your son dating the foreigner, then it's back to the old way. <laughs> <laughs> so when you ask the Koreans, you know, do you think your daughter or son could marry a foreigner? Oh, sure, 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 sure. But once they show up on the doorstep with the foreigner, mm-hmm. then it all changes. Reality changes for them. Their sure. their norm just became different. No doubt. They yeah. know that their daughter is eventually going to move abroad yeah. and take grandchildren with. My, uh, I mean, my mother-in-law, she, I mean, the initial shock of like, you know, my wife grew up the oh, I'm, you know, I'm a nice daughter. I'm the first daughter in the family. And, you know, went to, went to school and everything was fine and. Um, always made the parents proud and then dropped that bomb. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> had a, I've had a foreign boyfriend for a couple of years that you didn't know about. What? You know, it was, uh, it was quite, uh, quite shocking for the mom. But I mean, for, for me, it was a smooth transition into, Mine the, was pretty smooth into the family well. and they're good people. I, yeah. I think that my in-laws were a little naive and, and that they thought I was really either her teacher or just her friend or, or coworker <laughs> still, or something. Still in denial. <laughs> and, and, and it, it wasn't until we actually said we're thinking about getting married that, they actually realized, oh, maybe you guys are, you guys are really serious. I thought we were buddies or something. Um, but I remember my father-in-law protesting it, and he he wouldn't come to any family dinners or anything that okay, I was going to be okay. at. Mom would come, supportive. The sister supportive, brother supportive, and dad wouldn't come because he he completely disagreed with it. And they would phone him in the you know we'd be sitting in the restaurant. They'd be phoning, come on, come on. He's a good guy. It's fine. And then I remember the first one he came to, and he said. Arm wrestle me or you can't have my daughter. What no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Five foot two, yeah. 47 kilos. Do, do, you want, do you want the whole arm or just yeah. the baby finger? Is that all it would have taken this time? <laughs> but he said, where are you going to live the rest of your life? And I, I just automatically said, Ulsan. And he almost spit his teeth out, <laughs> knowing that that's probably not true. Um, he almost, and then he asked me what kind of car I have and how big my house is. And I said, I, I don't have a car. I don't need a car. I, I live next to my work and public transportation is great. And he was completely dissatisfied with my answers. Mm. And uh, I think he protested a few more family functions. And then uh, once we got married, then we became best buddies. And now he's now he loves me. I was uh, I was in a pretty different situation. They knew me very well, the whole family, as Troy teacher. Ah, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. And uh, so when it came time... <laughs> One of those teachers. What were you teaching? <laughs> Grammar, of course. <laughs> and uh, when it came time to uh, tell the family about me, yeah. they weren't surprised. He said, is it Troy? And she said, yeah. And they said, we got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was... Uh, it was, It is what it was. Then, yeah. Sure. Yeah, they're fantastic, and they, I felt welcome since day one because they knew me. I was at every family function anyway. Yeah. <laughs> We've, I think... We have other friends who uh, who did the similar uh, similar way of just oh this is my friend and that's that's almost it's the I easiest was, way to introduce I was your coached, foreign friend is I was yeah I was coached into doing that but <laughs> Julia decided to drop the bomb on mom yeah. one time when they were in Seoul <laughs> mom mom and daughter uh, mom and daughter weekend in Seoul by the way 
boom, ruin the weekend. I love this sweater. <laughs> and yeah. and guess what? Well, we went. We were out on a date at, at Jinnah, and we were coming back, and she goes, "Oh, that's my house. That's where I live." And I said, "Well, it was Parents' Day." And I said, "Well, it's Parents' Day. Aren't you going to stop in and see your folks?" And she was living at our sister's at the time in the city. And I said, and she said, "Well, well I said it's Parents' Day. You should probably go in and say hi and." You know, give him a hug, tell him you love him. And she said, okay. So we did a U-turn, went back, and I said, I'll just wait in the car. Just run in and say <laughs> hi. I mean, it's the least you can do for Parents' Day. And, of course, I already knew that there's someone's going to come out and tell me to come in. <laughs> and so I was sitting there at the kitchen table, and, and mother-in-law was, at that time, her mom was feeding me the traditional homemade uh, alcohol, grape juice or whatever it was. It was very, very strong. Bokbunja. And... Uh, not her name. <laughs> no, her name is Gumja. Um, but anyways, we were sitting there, and off the kitchen is the bedroom, and Dad was working across the street at the LG plant, and he got up in his underwear, his skimpy little underwear, and his undershirt, and he comes out and saw this big foreign guy sitting at his table, and he almost fell over, <laughs> and he was disgusted. It didn't matter who who I was or if I was a teacher or a friend. He just couldn't believe I was this big guy was sitting at his table in his spot and he just put his uniform on and boom, scattered out the door and he was gone. And that was my first interaction with them because they always say meeting the parents was, you know, a big step. But I met them right at the beginning. They same as you, they just didn't know. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty common. Wonderful. In, in those days. I heard a lot of horror stories back in ninety nine about uh, the similar situation hours and it, it it had not gone well. Yeah, there's some. Well, yeah, I guess there's more traditional families than than some. I think my I like to think mine are pretty open minded folk and they like you know uh, even with language and stuff. The mother in law doesn't speak too much, but father in law as the soju level increases, so does the English language. <laughs> and he you know he honestly he puts a good effort in and he seems genuinely to care about how like my family's doing in Canada sure. and in the, the happiness and, and health of, of everyone. So, which is cool. But So going between here and Canada, then I want to ask you yep. the difference between living here, how often would you be in touch with family back home? And now that you're in, or, or even your wife being in touch with your family and the difference between living in Canada and how much are you in touch with your in-laws here? Um, is that regular? Is it, you know, Skyping once a week or FaceTiming once a week, or is it, more random or? Well, her parents are a little older than I'm guessing your in-laws are. They're in in-laws their mid-70s. Oh, okay. Mid-60s. They're not very technical right. savvy yeah. at all. So she's in, uh, we, we have the family group cacao chat. Yeah. And so that's going constantly. Good. That sound Pictures and blowing up. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All hours are nice. <laughs> <laughs> and um, same with you guys I'm yeah. in your group That's chat. That's not a health and safety concern when, when you're on the job there? When you, <laughs> when you guys are... Uh, Wide open at 8 p.m. at night and at 7 o'clock in the morning where I'm at. Boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we keep in contact quite regularly through the Cacao family chat. Cool. But that's, I mean, when people ask me about, oh, how do you live so far away? I'm like, it's not, I don't have to send a letter by horseback to, yeah, yeah. to, to Canada, man. I could just call, have a video. But it, but it used to be a lot different. I mean, yeah, sure there was, was no Facebook when I came and, and like, I came. Hot, I think Hotmail was 
when you came, there was email. email must have just started. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. um, when you were here in the beginning, were you in touch with your family a lot? A lot, now, of, a lot of expensive phone bills. Yeah. yeah. Those first that first year, my my first one was like three hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. But it was I I was happy spending it. And yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah call my buddies. Dude. I'm out drinking. You know, it was. Uh, and then I, I remember when Skype came out, and then I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is really. It'll good. never get better than this. If you yeah. get that, we can do it for free, Dad, and then we can call all the time whenever we want. And then, and then you might stop calling me so much. <laughs> I, I don't have that much news to tell you. Yeah, so she'll Skype with her parents. Yeah. Uh, call from Canada to her cell phone over here. Mm. But the rest is family group chat, and everybody's kept in touch pretty well. Nice. So you were here for a total of 12, 13, 13 years. 13 years-ish. Yeah. That seems like the cutoff. Andy was just saying that he had, he had, <laughs> uh, he had 12. Eh? Um, so transitioning back, I mean, or what was your, your motivations for, for moving back home? Um, I, I, <laughs> I had had enough. Yeah. Right. Uh, plus we have a kid mm. and I didn't want him going to school over here. Mm. Um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I did, I'm not a big fan of the pressure that's put on the kids. Sure. I want kids to be kids. Absolutely. And uh, enjoy childhood. Um, uh, plus him being, you know, half and half, mm. uh, we were going to run into some issues. I knew it, uh, out in Onyang where we live, a little smaller town, a little yeah, smaller yeah. area. Everybody in the village already knew who we were. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so we had tested it in the kindergarten level. And no matter what, he was made special. Yeah. Even though he's not. He's yeah. just a regular three or four-year-old. And that's special in some good ways and some bad ways. Exactly. Yeah. And even the good ways turned into negative when right. viewed through the viewpoint of parents, sure. other yeah. kids, mm. um, other teachers. So we pulled him out of we pulled him out of the first kindergarten. This mm. is nonsense. Like the other parents were complaining because the English teacher would come in only talk to him because he's the only <laughs> one who can talk back, <laughs> and not the foreign English teacher, the Korean English teachers. Yeah. And she would pull him up and sit him next to her, and yeah. he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just answering because some adult asked him a question, sure. and that turned into parents complaining that he was getting preferential treatment. Oh God! And so we pulled him out of that kindergarten. We said, "Well, this sounds a little bit like home, though, no." <laughs> preferential treatment and he's a little different back there too <laughs> but um then we tried another one. a brand new one was going to open up we said all right let's let's try this but this time the wife took a different approach she didn't tell them who i was i didn't go to the initial interview or the meeting mm. she tried to keep that part secret as mm. possible and then finally the question come up filling out the application what's the husband's job <laughs> english teacher <sighs> <laughs> and then the, they looked at him different immediately and then yeah. she brought out oh we're going to have English festivals and he's going to be the star <laughs> and your kids are great promotion <laughs> he's not a star he's yeah. poor you know yeah. and we said this isn't going this isn't going to get better yeah. and eventually when you know he's sitting in a class in grade 6 doing an English test and making hundreds yeah. for doing nothing yeah. special besides he just speaks the language yeah. you know so there, there was that, uh, there was that element as well. And plus, I, you know, I'd been away for thirteen years. I came over at twenty-three. I'm in my rolling into my mid-thirties. Yeah, it was time to go back home. Oh, that's if, been, if you were going to make a move. If that was I was going to make a move, time. yeah. Any other getting any older? That's, was, that's where I am now. Yes, I came twenty-two. <laughs> How old were you when you went back? Thirty-three-ish. Uh, Sounds like I missed the How boat I? on that one then. I'm 33 now. I'll be 34. Oh, I, I, dude. I can't even weeks. do math. 35, 36. Yeah. Wild. Anyway, I knew it was, uh, if we we're going to make a move, it had to be around then. So when you say the, the school and the pressure and stuff, and, yep. and there is, I mean, tons of pressure on the kids here from very young ages, um, 
what about comparing it to something at home? I mean, obviously, I'm very familiar with hockey. But now these academies, and I, I send some kids back to play hockey now to a place in Montreal. And what about the pressure on the kids at home? Like when I start researching these hockey academies at home, they're thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, and they're doing five, six, seven hours of training from seven, eight, nine, ten years old. What about this pressure on school here? You say like you want them to have a regular childhood, being free. But I think a lot of the kids at home also are not free that get tied into whatever sport or activity. I think or here, it here it's more uh, an academic jail and at home would be a, a sport. But is it any more enjoyable when you're forced to get up at 6 a.m. for practice, when, you're, when your dad's yelling at you on the way home from practice, on the way to practice? Did you do your burpees? Did you do your wrist shot practice? Mm. Did you... Is well, it not, I mean, is it as enjoyable, or is that mom and dad living their dreams through you like these parents do with their education? Vicarious, well, the, the big difference there, it's a choice at home. You can choose to put your kid through that level of pressure of hockey. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good. That's a good. You point. have to send them to school here, and if you don't, yeah, <laughs> if you don't, uh, if you don't, keeping up with the Kimses. But yeah, you can choose. So. <laughs> you can choose if I mean I, I'm going to be here through some some elementary years of schooling for my kids, and I can choose if I want to send them to academies or if I want to pressure them for hundreds or, and as much as they might be the the outcast for not getting hundreds, I mean even if they did, they might be it for wearing glasses or or being a foreigner or whatever else. No. We, well, the, the thought process I had, and my wife agrees, who's Korean, when my son shows up and he's making bad marks mm. compared to the rest of the kids in his class and he's getting whooped on by a teacher. Mm. Right. Because we made that choice not to push pressure yeah, on him. Yeah, yeah. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah, now yeah. it's not fair to him. Yeah. yeah and right. he's being sucked into another hole yeah. that he had not, he didn't sign up for himself. Absolutely. And then when the hog one thing starts... If he wants to go out and play with his friends after school, he can't because they're not all playing. That, that's the one that I don't like, that there's nobody else to play with because they all go to those. They all go to the hog ones. So right. if he wants to have any kind of social network with his friends, he has to go through the hog ones. Yeah, right. And uh, the kids who are not in the hog ones, you may not want him playing with that in the first place, which now I sound like a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but now no one has a chance to play outside because of the dust. So, so what about what <laughs> send about your back, kids to the hog one with the What about back there? home then? I always talk to my brother to try and gain insight on what it's like and what it would be like if I was back. He's got three boys, I think grade nine, grade seven, and grade five now. And I, I, I seem to think, or it seems to be that they're always inside playing on their devices. Yeah. They have hockey sticks. They have nets. I mean, we used to play ball hockey every day after school. And in the winter, dad had a rink and mom would call us in for dinner. I'm sure you were the same. Mm -hmm. But these days, they don't have the education pressure. Lots of them aren't excelling in sports. So they, they're just kind of the, the random, the average kid. Is that, what do you, how, how do you see it? Or, or what is it like for, for your boy? I mean, I would hate for my kid to be sitting on the sofa with their iPad or whatever all night long. But like, I, I'll... Um, I just want to interject in there. The your generation was totally ice hockey and, and outside playing. I was totally outside and playing, but with the with the rainy weather or whatever have it. We were inside, and the other time was video games. So I'm maybe in between, in between. Uh, in I between think both I'm, a, I'm definitely older than you, and I'm a little bit older. Than I, got, I got lots of forty year old buddies that love yeah. video games. I yeah. just never got into them. So I think it was more maybe to st more structure your house. You mm -hmm. know what? What the, the sure. what you guys put as priorities, yeah, right? Yeah. And what you were used to. Um, but you're correct, Nate. It is video games, video games, video games as mm -hmm. much as they can to the point where we got to put rules in the house now. Yeah. 
Because right? when I read this stuff, what is do you it think? called Fort, Fortnite? Fortnite. Oh, yeah. My kid like, is. I don't even know what that is. I don't think the kids here play that. I, I don't know. I haven't heard of that here. I feel I'm growing into my dad every day. But, turn, <laughs> turn that shit off. <laughs> you are. But when I see all these you know, doctors and MDs posting stuff on the effects of Fortnite and the whole country's playing it or the whole the whole continent's playing it, and I think, oh, my God. That's, that's wild, man. It got to the point where, so my kid plays on a basketball team. Hmm. And he shows up. <laughs> can't come to practice. <laughs> Got to yeah. get to the next level. Well, well he, they can't talk about anything in practice, but getting to the next level. Jeez. And part of the reason, <laughs> like, we're, we're pretty, we're not, can't say we're strict parents, but we do have the power to, and we will keep video games from him. Yeah. And it got to the point where I finally had to relinquish a little bit of that just so he could have conversations with his friends. Jeez. Wow, that's wild, eh? Yes, it that's is wild. wild. But, I mean, we... I, I guess I, I was saying what else. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, playing Mario Kart, like, there was... We went into... I, I played for hours, man. <laughs> and I don't think I'm... I don't think it really destroyed me. Well, I used to play Minesweeper. Except, right, <laughs> except my right. <laughs> I used to play Minesweeper at two in the morning and not try and hit those bombs in the Minesweeper game. That was <laughs> that was the only one on the computer. That's all we ever had. I'd probably be a doctor if it wasn't for Tecmo Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. When Nintendo sixty four came out, it was either Mario Kart. You guys, you're looking at me like uh, like I got three eyes. <laughs> I, I know. I know. It's, Mario Kart. Um, GoldenEye 007 yes. or Zelda Ocarina Time. Dude, I've that, that was two years of my life. <laughs> I, I just got my hands on, thanks to a good buddy of mine, a little shout out to my buddy Tony, uh, just sent me some kind of game emulator. It's got every Nintendo Nintendo game and Nintendo 64 game on oh, it. I got it on the, on the computer. Then, I right? just started playing Tecmo Super Bowl again. <laughs> <laughs> my career is over. Wife, <laughs> wife sent the divorce paper. Yeah, yesterday. exactly. My career is over. But so, uh, back to what you're saying, Nate. Yeah, it is pretty bad over there. Video games are... It's it's wild, man. Like, and that's the one thing, not video games in particular, but that that kind of life. And I think here, if they're in school, I mean, they're, they're out of the riffraff. There's mm-hmm. not as many stresses and worrying about the drugs, sex, partying, pills, overdoses, yeah, but if, addictions. But if you're playing video games, but, there's not that much. There's probably less stress. So Sure, definitely yeah. less stress. But I think it's easier to lose your path or get off track or whatever. But I always, that's what I wonder. What is the plus and minus or what? But I, I don't risk think, and reward. I don't think being both places force fed like uh, foie gras style, being force fed uh, well, math and science and, no. and, and, and but those education are optional. is the you can choose taekwondo, piano, paduk, and something else if you want. You don't yeah, have but, to. Go yeah, to math but like you said, like Troy just mentioned that if I, I don't think it's it's all or nothing. But if your kid probably isn't in um, isn't in the the math and science, they're going to fall back. They might fall back in school. And and from what I hear, I can't believe this is true, but a lot of people tell me that if they there's uh, there'll be questions or concepts on a, on a math test that the teacher won't teach in school, that they just expect that you're going to oh, learn over that here. Out. Yeah. Oh, for God. Yes, for sure. That can't be real. No, man. Did they the kids go to school already learning everything they're in from the hog one? They're going to learn. Right. Yeah. It's a review of what they learn in school. So the teacher can can test a kid on a concept they haven't taught, assuming that they've been uh, that they've been to a hogwan. That's right. That's insane. There's a general level of knowledge from the hogwan. But when every kid goes to the hogwan, sure you can do that. My kids. So then, so then my my question then oh. for back home. Yep. Um, here, I would think if my child is is not a, 
at the standard level of math that I should work with her and I should help her. Correct. Because there's no grade one, two, three, four, five, six math that I can't do. I don't have to send her to an academy. I could just sit down with her at night and, and work with her. Which we but that, that's at, a luxury. That's so, a luxury you have that most So at don't. home, is that still common that the now with you know double income families and mom and dad working, coming home late, do parents in general still sit down and help with their kids or they're slow, they're they're losing track and they're they're falling behind? Well, whatever. That's what happens. Well, I had some real issues, and I'm, boys, you're going to experience this when you go home to when your kids enter the school system, mm-hmm. is how much the school now says back home, we want you to work at that at home. We want you to work on that at home. Well, my kid, can you at least print me off a couple more worksheets at the door? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Just so well, that's I can practice I have with some them? teacher yeah. friends, and they say, like, you know, we can do all this stuff in school, but there's so many more issues to deal with on day-to-day teaching now, and they wear so many caps. That, yeah, the parents have to do a lot of heavy lifting at home. Which I don't mind doing. I like working with them and right. stuff mm. like that. So, yeah, we, we do a lot of that at home. Um, I'm pretty, you know, the wife is pretty non-traditional when it comes to that kind of, you know, uh, with the education stuff. And they got to be filled with activities every single day. Mm. Right? So, he goes to his basketball and swimming. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Cool. The rest of it is, you know, try to get him to do some studying yeah. and play. But uh, yeah, I didn't, man, I don't. I, I always look at the. There's that one picture of um, all the animals lined up and said, "If we judge, if we judge uh, everyone by their ability to climb a tree." <laughs> Have you seen that? And then there's the uh, fish that's kind of hanging out there, and he doesn't know. And I just, I don't think education's for. I don't think education or, or sitting down and studying eight hours a day is for nope. for everyone. No, it's and not. I think, and I mean, what's wrong if you had? Uh, whatever not a, i don't want to say mediocre job but not a scientist or a, or a lawyer or a doctor well, why can't you be happy being uh being a, a store clerk if you had a sweet hobby after you know oh. then if you really love basketball you couldn't make it to the show but you know who, who's to say that's not a that's not a happy life or, mm. or, or a successful life. get in the trades and make real money yeah Jeez. well i think that's the attractive <laughs> part of home is that still you know whatever you want to be you can pursue that and be encouraged to pursue yeah, it i got a buddy where here there's still a lot of false mm. hope of my kid's going to be a doctor, dentist, lawyer, dentist, lawyer from Seoul, Yonsei, and, and Korea. Mm. But the times have changed, man. Those mm. There's not that many jobs anymore for those guys. Get into SK, Hyundai, and that's it. You're set for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I like the new generation now because the kids, the parents might still think that, but the k- kids definitely do not. Mm. And they have their own things in mind. And if that's a YouTube vlogger or whatever. Well, that's, I mean, I, that's the irony, too. The the I had a student whose parents you know pushed him lots academically. And, uh, and the, the funny thing is like he got rejected. It's not funny that he got rejected from the schools, but you know, his parents are, are, are spending, uh, you know, half of their, half of their, half of their salary to, to educate this kid and who's making money. He's watching, uh, he's watching this guy, this YouTuber eat food. Uh, like he, I don't know, he puts on a black glove and he like eats it really sexually. It's the funniest, <laughs> it's the weirdest, funniest thing. But dude, you can make money doing that. Yeah, what am I doing? No, listen, I, I swear to God, the one he showed me is like, teacher, wrong look, generation. Teacher, look at this. This is hilarious. And I watch it, I'm like, this is just a like a weird guy eating salmon and like doing it like, like watch me eat the salmon. But this this guy's making huge cash. Out. You know, he's, yeah. he's getting millions of hits. And you know, the, the irony is, the half of the the people are stuck in stuck in Hogwans trying to get the SK, trying to get the, the Hyundai job, and it's not well, it's not even worth it. Sam with a black glove. Oh, dude, he's dipping a lot in of those, sauce and everything. Was a gross. lot of those jobs aren't going to be around in 10, 20 <laughs> yeah. years. My, the ones that they're studying for. When my in. kid was six, 
or seven, he tried to set up his own YouTube channel of him playing Mario Kart. Dude. He should have kept, he should've kept he should've going. Kept He's got a couple going. million followers by now. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, look at the, the toy review kid. He, he was making yeah. 20 million a year. Kids like six years. That's his parents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. Setting it up. But I mean, that's, that's unreal. So once, once you move back, you move back yep. to the East Coast. Yep. Now you're based in Ottawa. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, when, when we said, I think like I'm from Thunder Bay, not a big center by any means, but I, I think that a lot of our friends enjoyed outdoors because we were from a Northern community. And I mean, that's what we did compared to maybe city kids. Um, so compare for me the difference living or moving back to the East coast and now being in Ottawa. What are the similarities? What are the differences? What do you like? Um, so going back to the East coast, uh, it was a bit of a reverse culture shock for me. Like kids aren't playing outside like they used to. Right. And why can't my kid just, you know, go on the street and there's 15 other kids all playing ball hockey. That doesn't exist. You have to set up play dates (laughs) now. What in back east? Back east, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So, and which is exactly the same as in Ottawa. Okay, right. So I thought it would be the I thought it would be the East Coast that I grew up in. Yeah, Cape Breton Island that I, that I come from, the mm. small little place that. I, and I, I think I still from. hold on to that that Saskatchewan and you're, you're you know the small the small towns or whatever. Maybe they're still more connected to the outdoors and playing outside. But yeah, it seems like it's it there's has, no difference anymore. It has to be organized for them now. What happened to picking up your stick exactly. and going to? I remember taking slap slap shots with rocks. Like, oh man, those are the best. The hog ones were that bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. So that's, but that's go, sad. Going from the East Coast uh, then up to Ottawa, it, it's that part isn't really isn't really different. There's just a lot more activities for them to do. Just and that's just based on where I come from. Yeah. Right yeah. In the East Coast, so there's not a whole lot of a difference between that with regards to the kids. Yeah, there's just a lot more for them to do in Ottawa. Hmm. So which is nice. Cool. And there's a lot more kids on the streets. There's a big population difference. Mm. So you're going to, you're and, going to experience that going back. And when, I, when I think if if I was ever to move back, I think that Thunder Bay and, I mean, Winnipeg's bigger, but I don't think I would consider either of them. Winnipeg is way too cold. I'm just not cut out for that anymore. Uh, global warming. And Thunder, is Thunder Bay is, is quite small. So I think I'd be going back to somewhere more, more central. But you decided to make the move to the East Coast, which is also very isolated in terms of yes. you know the big cities and stuff yeah. much like Potatoes. thunder bay is for me <laughs> why the east coast and why moving to ottawa after so question number one why the east coast because i'm from there and mm. the whole point was all right i'm not going to be living in korea next to her family we better be in canada living next to my family that's my wife said that too if we moved back to canada it would be you come from niagara bit. falls a little bit different no. <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i could go back to thunder bay and try it but i just say i don't think we'd be able to cut it there yeah. so uh yeah going back to going back to cape breton that was the plan right <laughs> same cliff i grew up on was the same cliff he was going to grow up on yeah it's not the same yeah. place it was there's no more kids around where i live where i grew up um, so in the city where we did live there, you know, he went to elementary school and there was lots of kids, but it was just different. Mm. So anyway, um, I and plus there's no work. So to answer question number two, right. it comes from not being able to yeah. sustain us. And I expect that when I move back and this might be one of your questions coming up, what do you expect work wise? Mm. I expected a parade. 
I expect, okay. you know, when people back home re- knew about the shit I did in Korea, like yeah. the bar owning and the book publishing and this <laughs> and this and this, they'd be just be thrown open the door saying, we right. have to hire this guy at a high salary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all I realized very quickly is that I got paid to speak my native tongue for the last 15, 13 years. Right. <laughs> That's the way they looked at it. No doubt. And nobody could really comprehend what we actually do over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. And, um. And it just, it wasn't conducive to slap on a resume and try to get a job back home. And so I was able to, I was able to get jobs to keep us going. uh, But um, we knew it just wasn't going to sustain us. So Mm. I went back to school, got retrained. And ironically, the biggest health and safety training school east of Ottawa is in the, my hometown where there's no construction. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) It was a breeding ground for Alberta, all these colleges. And I wasn't going to go back out there. Uh, so Ottawa had a support, not a, a bit of a support system in place for us. Cause as you guys know, we have a lot of friends mm. who grew up or who in their adult, early adulthood from Ulsan yeah, with yeah. Korean wives, with Korean kids. I think Hey was saying there's like 12 families there. Yeah. There, there's a lot of us. Right? Jeez, there's, there's five of them that we all kind of grew up here in Ulsan together with. Right. I was going to say, not just random guys that we've, we've all yeah, known good for friends. years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So our kids grew up together here. They played together. They all speak the same. They, you know. So that was why we chose Ottawa. The other thing was I looked down my kid's future in 10 years. Mm. And he's when he graduates high school, he's going to be in the boat of so many other Cape Breton kids and have to leave. Yeah. Right. right. So and I figure in the capital city, he, he's got a legit shot that he finishes school and can stay right? yeah. if he chose to. Yeah, That's yeah, much yeah. like Thunder Bay. I mean, once we finished, well, I, I moved for hockey, but all of my friends that went to high school there, most of them went away for university and most of them have not gone back. Yeah. And that, that's a reality of being from, from that small town or, or small city. So Anyway, Ottawa's treated us very well. We're, uh, we're very happy we're there. We got all our friends. and Plus, cool. it, me being from Cape Breton, there's Cape Bretoners everywhere in Canada. <laughs> so yeah. it was a matter of calling my buddies up and saying, I need a place to crash until I find a job. And nice. That was it. Nice, nice, nice. What, right. what kind of advice would you give guys who are considering moving back from anywhere, not just from Korea, but from anywhere who are considering moving back? Do you think... That re-education is mandatory, necessary, recommended, or should you should you do it here I, and I then go it, home, or should it depends you on your skills, but or, or what really what figure out what you want to get into and then start laying the groundwork now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the other thing now, what you guys are all everybody's over here for a little while now you've established yourselves um <laughs> we got this crusher podcast we got this, oh, well, this, is, <laughs> this is obviously gonna let you retire from teaching <laughs> um so the uh try to get yourself a second style of income right yeah. to help out with which i'm pretty sure both of you guys have already accomplished that yeah. so lots of volunteer jobs <laughs> so that helped that helped us out a lot in the early right. years yeah once we went over there uh but yeah start laying the groundwork right now what you just want to do yeah and whether it's online training or um well i guess it'll only be online at this point for you but yeah. start start doing that immediately cool um, that's uh that's sound sound cause, advice because it is different <laughs> right no, and I got a rude awakening when I got back. Yeah. No yeah. one cares about ESL teacher. None. I mean, I, I even applied for ESL jobs and couldn't get them. Yeah. <laughs> 13 years? Uh, Not enough. That's funny. I think uh, I think this would be a good time for uh, to uh, to take a take a short break and jump into our first uh, our first segment called 
Stories from the stories from the sauna. We uh, in our first episode we talked to uh, to Roy Garcia, and he hadn't had exactly a sauna experience, but he had a, a really funny um, the hospital the hospital story to to tell. But um, what about Troy? You and uh, you in, in Korea? Did you ever experience a sauna? Did you ever? Uh, do you have any funny stories or anecdotes to to share with the audience? Not really a sauna, but my first couple of weeks in Korea, I went and joined a gym at okay. a club. <laughs> and I would go early in the morning and uh, like 6, 30, 7 o'clock, as soon as the doors opened. And there's always one other girl in there working out at the same time. And I didn't couldn't read Korean, nam and yo, yeah. on the locker room doors. And probably, I don't know, my <laughs> second or third time there, I decided to go into the locker rooms. Yeah. And I walked in the wrong one. And there she was getting changed. Oh, nice. And I quit the gym. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's why I look like I do today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. There was no uh, no symbols back then? It was just the nam On that particular gym, on yeah. that particular door. And I walked in the wrong oh, one. That's funny. There's a whole Facebook group dedicated to... People uh, like me. I think it's, I think it's called Rage Rage Squats in Korea, and there's some quite some funny uh, funny posts on there with just very strange uh, um, uh, exercises or, or people doing using the using the the machines very strangely. It's, it's quite funny. Check it. So out. I've never I've never done the whole Jim Jilbong experience. Oh, Jim Jim Jilbong just or like hanging, hanging out yeah, with your never, with your clothes well, on. Awesome. Uh, nothing that I can really pull a story from. What about uh, what about your old polar bear swim? Oh, the May thirteenth swim. Yes, that became a bit of a tradition. How yeah. did that start? Uh, back home, beginning of lobster season, <laughs> we would uh, as soon as the traps went out, you'd yeah. see three or four twelve-year-olds jumping on inner tubes oh, okay. and heading out towards the traps. Jeez. And uh, it was freezing. No, it didn't. There was ice still in the harbor at times. Like Korean freezing or? No, it was North Atlantic <laughs> freezing. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh when they do the polar bear swim here and, and it's... They said Superior is like 95% frozen this year. That's where we would do polar bear swims in Lake Superior. I mean, this is a lot different here. So anyway, I, uh, my first year in Korea, um, we were... Well intoxicated on a Saturday night in mm-hmm. Mugadong here at an establishment we're all familiar with. <laughs> and um, it was my, I didn't really know my good friend Mark that well. Yeah. And But I looked at the calendar and said, oh my God, it's May 13th. I have got to get to the ocean. Yeah. I didn't even <laughs> know how to get there. Because that's lobster starting season is May 13th? Back home, yeah. So anyway, the tradition kept going. We weren't mm-hmm. even going out there. Right. Messing around trying to catch lobsters or anything. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> I just kept the tradition up for an excuse to get drunk and go do something. Okay. So anyway, um, the May 13th uh, kind of took on its life of its own over here. And we kept it up year after year after year after Mark, Mark had made me miss it for the first time because he was too drunk to drive me to the beach. Yeah. And I don't think I ever forgave him for that. Because <laughs> that was the first time I had missed it since I was a kid. And uh, huh. so that kept up for the 13 years I was here. Nice. And then... Uh, much to the chagrin of my wife, who just can't seem to understand jumping into cold water in the <laughs> middle of May. And then I kept it up when I moved back home for a couple of years. And now that I moved to Ontario, I don't really do it anymore because there was there had to be a connection to the ocean, the salt water, yeah. the whole thing. So I let it go. Yeah. So Connor's never going to experience the. Oh, well, he will. He will. The polar bear. Throw him in a throw cold. Him in. Throw him in a cold bath. Though. <laughs> <laughs> it's May thirteenth, son. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know why this is happening, but <laughs> Dad, a simple explanation. Yeah, so that that became fun. We go to Ilsan Beach, and we have a big crew of people and cool. uh, supporting the local bars out there. <laughs> Bunch of uh, foreigners in bathing suits. Very nice. Yep. Very now, nice. now it's they have a, a pretty big one in Hyundai. 
Okay. Or Gwangan in Busan. What time? There's of an year? official uh, midwinter, whatever it is. Yeah, okay. There's an May, official. I think it's May twelfth. It is totally. <laughs> <laughs> There's an official official one there, but I notice when I'm at the beaches, even here in the winter, that they have the swimming clubs now. They wear their wetsuits and. Oh, yeah, okay. So lots of them are well trained, and the, and the water doesn't affect them that much. I anymore, remember but... back at home or back back when I arrived, May oh, what July twenty first was the beginning of swim season or something like that. Oh, yeah. Like swim season began, and I would tell my Only students. Only when the water reaches 80. Oh, yeah. teacher, what are you doing the weekend? I went swimming. What? It's not swim season. Yeah. About the same. You wear, it's, it's 24 degrees in March, and people are like, oh, you're wearing shorts. Like, it's I got it 24. yesterday with a short sleeve shirt on. Yeah. And they said, 16, 17 degrees. How come yeah. you're wearing your, your uh, Everest climbing jacket? <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't tell me winter's over yet. So That's funny. Yeah, some of those things still kicking. No, I don't. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. I was going to ask you uh, about Connor and how he sees going back and forth between the two countries and what what his – does he ask a lot of questions at home about Korea? How connected is he? Um, how much do role still, does it play? How old was he when he moved? Four, turn of five. Uh, does he have any memory of Korea? That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah tons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Dad throwing me in the ocean. <laughs> that happened like a couple summers ago back home. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> I know it's not a pool, but this is where you're from, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Jump off that rock. Um, yeah, so with Connor going back and forth, he's back and forth every year. And at some one point, he was coming back twice a year. Really? Just due to the wife's visa situation. She had to get in and out every six months. Right. So we had an expensive little hobby. <laughs> I'm sending her back to Korea. Yeah. And uh, so he's never been away very long mm. to really lose any association or connection to mm. Korea. Cool. And that's that's nice. I think that's important, too, to yeah, keep yeah. there. You know, that's that's something special that I tell my kid, too. Or, I mean, he's he's at the age he's five now, well, Western five, um, that he's starting to ask, you know, like, why why don't kids in my class speak English? Why why do we speak why do we speak Korean all the time? When I speak to them in English, they don't know. <laughs> you know or, or, in, or when they're having English class, he, like you said, he's the only one that, that knows what's going on. And I said, well, but you're kind of you're you're special, man. You're and luckily in his class too, there's a there's a half Japanese kid and half Vietnamese kid. So there's three. There's there's uh, he's not that special yeah basically <laughs> but i think it's good for them and for us to teach them that it, that they should <laughs> they should you know see that as a positive thing that they they have that's a that's multicultural how I, background yeah. and that yeah. it's a good thing hmm. even if it is you know looked down in some ways that they have more open doors and they're gonna have more opportunities and that they should embrace hmm. being both um and i know i try and you know teach or or give as much Canadian culture as I can to my kids. Um, Eat your poutine. Here's your <laughs> hockey stick. It's 11 p.m. And, well, Eat it. My, Gina, Gina started playing hockey now, and I, I think that's awesome. And she, she can FaceTime with her uh, cousin back home, and you know they send videos of each other who's skating faster. And Okay. So I think if we were in Canada, definitely I would want her connected to her cousins here and, and keeping that connection and you know alive and, and well in her in her. I think one of the benefits we have living in Ottawa, and I'm going to keep trying to sell Ottawa to Nate here, (laughs) (laughs) because we have that network of us in that city. Um, They're never not surrounded by Korea. Mm. Yeah, they always have. It's just by geography. Yeah, they got all they. We we you know we have Chuseok, we have Seoul at each other's homes and. Kimchi How, and, and homemade yeah. and all that stuff still the around. The kids yeah. are speaking Korean or in English to each other. When uh, when I came home last time, the wife, 
I mean, we we drove up and and visited. Uh, it, it took how long did it take us to get there? Uh, it took me, I think, maybe sixteen hours to drive from Niagara to Ottawa, which should be like an eight hour. You don't you don't remember seven and a half hour hour drive? Did you go to New York? For no, a tour? Yeah, no, 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 no. It's on the on the way there. Uh, Tony Tony got there. No, actually, we stopped. It was actually from Toronto to Ottawa. It took about twelve or thirteen hours, which is yes. insane. But I was sick in the in the morning. And then Tony got sick and he puked all over his car seat. We had to stop and clean everything out. But anyways, we finally made it there. And the <laughs> wife was so impressed. She's like, wow, look at, man, this is awesome. Troy's here. And we're at Mikey's house and Eric. And and I said, I don't know, like, um, if that was a... a Staged event. Uh, not, not, yeah. <laughs> no, not, not a stage event, but uh, going home, is it, I mean, with work schedules and, and whatnot, is it easy to meet? I mean, here in Korea, everyone just meets, or sorry, in Ulsan, everyone just meets in Samsung. Is it easy to meet? Is it easy to meet back home? Um, is it easy to, I mean, like, whatever, uh, you know, we're on a Wednesday, like, oh, yeah, let's go to the bar. I mean, maybe it's different with kids, I guess that would be the, it's, we, we don't go to the bars, so. It's all about yeah. geography and back home. Yeah, yeah. Um, Taxis are ridiculously expensive. Sure. Uber exists now, um, so that makes it a little easier. Mm. But um, speedies, we Can live speedies. For us, it all depends <laughs> where if you live close. Other than that, you got to plan things out. Yeah, it's hard eh? because you got rush hours and work schedules. You know, and we, it's it's regular life now. Yeah, yeah, right. If we don't, if so, if I don't see some of our buddies for three weeks, that's normal. Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay, okay. But I get yeah. Is but, there a conscious effort throughout maybe the summer or the warmer months that? You know, camping or barbecues. Yes, or, for sure. Definitely. Cool. Yeah. And that's, I think, going home, especially for me, like my friends from growing up in Thunder Bay, they're all over the country. Mm-hmm. And my brothers and sisters are all over the country. So I think having, I, I mean, I don't have real friends anywhere, really. They're all kind of one guy here, one guy there. We so we don't like them either. I think having, for you, having that base there of guys that we spent so long here with, it must be comforting, especially moving from the East Coast, not knowing anybody else at least you have that comfort zone of, yes of knowing those guys i just didn't want to set up uh you know if we ever did move to ottawa i wouldn't want her to think like oh you know every wednesday and thursday troy's gonna be here <laughs> girls and, night. Yes. and girls night on friday like it, i i didn't want her to think that every day is kim jong is every year yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought I, I i had imagined every every three weeks once a month you guys get together have some beer or something like that something like that yeah mm. and yeah, i think those even doing a kim jong every year i think would be cool to keep that tradition and show the kids and i think that'd be awesome but and to have that opportunity you that gotta, you have a group of friends that are exactly like you yeah. they're multicultural background they're half korean and I think that's amazing to be in Canada and have that connection would be fantastic. Kim, Kim Jong's got to change a little bit. You need some tunes. You need a little alcohol while you're doing it. Hey, <laughs> Just enjoy fusion, it a little fusion, more. Fusion, fusion. Uh, Put the hockey game sure. in the back. And Why not? What's wrong with that? We'll we'd, Canadian this we'll thing over. Right. Some tragically hip. <laughs> we'll, pour some maple we'll, syrup on that. We'll substitute the kimchi for the moose meat. There we'll we go. We'll have our wives <laughs> making moose sausage. <laughs> put some tragically hip on them. We'll put more, it on the side. And more savory. Sure. More savory in the kimchi sauce. <laughs> but I think that's one of the great benefits we gain from being in multicultural relationships, that, that we can do that. We can mix that. And I find that really... Kind of exciting as opposed to just being a Canadian Canadian couple with, you know, very similar backgrounds. I, I enjoy being part of a multicultural relationship where we have those opportunities. The amazing thing about the kids is that they don't even know it. Yeah, right. Right, yeah, and that, yeah. that's the beautiful part. They're they're not. They just it's just normal for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They show up at their friend's house, and there will be 
kimchi and pizza on that. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Pickles? Pickles or no pickles? No pickles. No pickles. Uh, there was... yeah, how come there's not corn on my pizza? <laughs> That's where we separate the cultures. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you guys want corn over there. You guys sit in the basement. There's a part of your heritage, son, that I will not let you connect to. That's right. That's right. Draw the line. Uh, but it's the norm for the kids. Right. It's not being taught to them in any way. We're not going out of our way to keep this stuff going with them. We're, we're just fortunate where we're at, who sure. we're with. That yeah. It's just, awesome. it's normal. They go to, to the house and you'll hear the kids flipping between languages without thinking about it. Right? Yeah. Getting yelled at in both languages. That was, that was really weird for me the first time. I mean, like just overhearing my son talking to my grandparents, my, his grandparents in Korean and just like, where, where did that come from? Where did, who taught you that? I've been man? in this country longer than you. Yeah, <laughs> and the and the code switching, yeah, back and forth between them is right. He'll we I, we were at a block cafe the other day, and he the lady said, I, asked me in Korean like, do you have a membership here? And he looked at me and he's like, Lucy translated, like, have you been here before? I was like, dude, I know what she's saying. Yeah. Stop trying to upstage your old yeah, man. He, my kid mocks me too. <laughs> What's that? My kid used to mock me too. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, right, right in the grocery stores. And you're going to say, yo, dad, hey, and you're going to say, yo. But I like, <laughs> I like random stuff. Like go to the in-laws and dad will say, hey, how you doing? And she goes, daddy, grandpa asked you how you're doing. And like, oh, <laughs> thank you for translating yeah. that. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, they, and, yeah. and sometimes they go just between me and my wife. And my eldest daughter, and she's only six, but she says, Daddy, Mommy said this. And I tell her something, okay, da- Mommy, Daddy said this. <laughs> and I think it's so cute. And it's funny, but it's amazing to watch them just switch back and, and forth. They're 100% bilingual, yeah. naturally. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's amazing. That's cool. Um, one more, maybe, before we get into the other segment. Mm. Um, you said your wife and Connor would come back regularly. Yep. What? It, I haven't been on a solo vacation with my kids yet, and... My wife's been to Europe, I think, for 10 days or something. But that was before we had kids. So what is it like? Um, Sometimes, you know, I think I'd die to have a couple days alone, you know, with no wife and no (laughs) kids. Just to relax and and watch a hockey game or something. Do you know what I had to do to get these two hours in this afternoon? (laughs) Um, So what what is it like? Because as we mentioned, like lots of our friends' wives come back with the kids. Mm -hmm. And I wonder... Are, are, are the guys at home just in heaven, just relaxing and oh my God. Or are they ordering yeah. pizza, ordering pizza every night and, and Netflix binging or what, what is that like? Um, and being away from the kid for so long. So it came to me in stages, uh, knowing this was going to continue to happen. Uh, the first time it was like, oh my God, like <laughs> this come back. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then every friend and family member and everybody, every dude I know back home is saying, that is awesome. I wish I had your life. But that's what I wonder. And um, so, the first, you know, then as you get, kind of get used to it, and then the first, first, you know, for the first couple of weeks it was tough, and then it was the first week it was tough, and now it's like, all right, she's on that plane. All right, Avengers, assemble. Yeah. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> and... Um, I'm putting the request out via text message that there is a party tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but then, if, you know, while they're gone and suddenly you do have all kinds of free time yeah, yeah. and uh, you only connect with them and with the time zones and work schedules, it's, sure. it's you'll go two or three days without talking sometimes. That's yeah. the way we I operate yeah, yeah. anyway. Um, other families may be a little bit different. And it, it's tough, you know, because the kids, you know, wife and kid are gone. But yeah. you know what? Um, I get a lot more done at the house when they're not in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm a workaholic, as you guys right. know from my past year. Mm-hmm. So I continue to work. Yeah. And it must 
it must create a greater appreciation of yeah. having them back and what you miss because they're not, we always say emptiness the makes the heart grow fonder right, right. right. What, what is it something like that but you, you can get there buddy <laughs> well, wait, what's the absence. absence what I say emptiness I think you said that what's that liquor absent <laughs> absence makes my brain go dumber but yeah I, I think you know being away I didn't realize you know how much I I appreciated my time with my family when I live in the same house every day growing up yep but now living abroad when I go back it's quality over quantity. And I get to see them and it's very quality time, whether it be two days or two weeks. That's worth more than me seeing them every day for six months and just taking it for granted. Mm-hmm. So you must develop that also once they leave and, and you realize the longest, how much you The them. longest stint I think they've gone is maybe two, three months. Mm. Right? That's the longest that we've been apart. Yeah. And uh, But yeah, when you, you know, you're back together again, it's... I th- maybe that's why it's we get along so well. I think it works. I think it works in your favor doing that. I agree. Yeah, getting, uh, I mean, yeah. any any sort of separation. I mean, if you're, you're seeing each other day after day, it's routine. Well, like you said, you fall into the same the same patterns, but that, that separation, man, you come back, it's like a, a new spark or you got new things to talk about. And Do you think at this stage, if you were back here living mm-hmm. and, and not with any visa issues or whatever, yeah, yeah. do you think you would scoot back home with just Connor by yourself for a month at a time or is that due to situations or I mean fine you know if I was financially capable right. yeah we'd do that yeah that's uh, uh I always want uh, I, I'd be curious to see how Sharon my wife would take that right yeah. Yeah. that's what I want my wife might say go don't stay an extra week no problem yeah. or but I think the same thing as much as she might encourage us to go after a couple of days, it'd be, when, you're, not, yeah. you're not coming for three weeks? I, I want to see the girls. Please I, bring them back. I think she'd be a blubbering mess. Right. Yeah. And that, that's what I think, too. Because they've never been apart. Right. Uh, well, wait till the, and that's why I wonder if it goes both ways. Yeah. If it goes both ways. Now, I, we know Mark is a common friend, and he goes back with the kids sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I wonder what is the, the limit. Or I mean, I think I would definitely start maybe a week or ten days because I think she wouldn't be able to handle it. It's just it's a lead it's a lead up to I know obviously lots of exper- lots of parents experience the empty nest empty nest syndrome when their kids right. leave for school or whatnot. And eh, maybe it's just like a a little warm up to warm up to that. Maybe it's a good thing. But after the eighth day in a row of chicken wings or breakfast <laughs> <laughs> and craft dinner, yeah. she's got to come mess, back. Yeah. You message all those guys and say, guys, come on, it's not that good. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> That's a, I th- I think you know ideally the weekend alone or whatever would be would be great but more <laughs> more than that I mean I take care of my girls a lot and I think I would really miss them I wouldn't I would have a hard time seeing my wife go for a month or two months I'd be oh come on we're, I'm missing my whole connection to the kids every morning every afternoon it's surprisingly hard on the kid oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it he he he's upset every time he goes and he was counting the days till I came over here to see him again ah cool and now that's kind of a nice feeling so, yeah right yeah. 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 That's awesome. Okay, no, no. Introduce uh, segment two there. I just when I picture being home alone, I picture sliding in. You know, uh, what, what movie? Ferris that? Bueller. No, uh, Ferris Bueller's day slides out. in on the, no. the air guitar in his undies. <laughs> Tom Cruise, the right stuff, the right moves, all the right moves. What is Maybe it? Maybe that's it. I can't remember. Maybe that's it. All right, let's let's move in here to uh, our our fire second. We'll wrap it up. Yeah, second and final segment. Um, we like to talk about uh, Korean history, and we'll give you a, a did you know. Um, and then we can discuss it as much or as little as we choose. So basically, in the 1700s, the king had a problem with his son. Um, his name was Prince Sado or Sado. Uh, he was um, going around the around the king's um, the the king's land, and 
and I don't know how to say, or he's killing, killing some of the, killing some of the servants, um, sexually promiscuous. Uh, but since he was royal blood, the king couldn't execute him. Obviously, he would be next in, next in line to take his father's throne. So the dad gave him two choices. He could do the honorable thing, the honorable thing and commit suicide or take, you know, his, uh, his second option. The son chose the latter. Uh, so his dad had decided to lock him in a rice box on the grounds of, uh, Chang, was it? Chang, Changgeyong Palace? Changgeyong? Oh, God, I butchered that. You're not, you're not getting any help from over here. Oh, no. <laughs> I should have, I should, really should have tried that one. Changge. You should have wrote it in Changyong. Changyonggu. Oh, my God. I've been there. <laughs> Anyways, he uh, he died from starvation after eight days. Anyways, Sado's son ended up becoming uh, King Jongdo, who's considered one of the greatest kings in Korean history. Uh, he did lots of great things for his people and also built Hwasung Fortress in Suwon. In fact, if you visit Hwasung there, you can see replicas of the rice box and take a selfie in front of it. If you've been there, you recall, can you give me some context on the rice box? I yeah. only think of cereal box and from rice... I mean, we, my in-laws have the rice patties, but it's got nothing to do with a box. We put the rice in bags. Um, what is a rice box? I think it's the, it would be the, the wooden, uh, the wooden box. Actually, I think it might be similar to, have you been to the, what's the name of the, the, hold on, the Korean Independence Museum? Mm, have you been sure. there? No, they have the the Japanese or the the Japanese when they tortured the some of the Korean soldiers. They would put them in a box and have like spikes in it, just kick the box. But I think it was just basically a wooden uh, a wooden box that they that they put them in. I, I, was thought, I haven't taken myself in front of it. I always thought they would keep that stored in those ongi pots. The rice ongi, yeah, yeah. the old mm. the old rice and the ongi. But I thought maybe maybe it's like a cold storage or a, or a storage kind of type. Thing. I mean, it's got to be big enough for a person. So, thermos. I just can't picture what the the rice box is. But I think it's a wooden a wooden box that he that he buried in. What does that make you think of when you hear of? <laughs> no, 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 I I think the the topic to explore here is uh, is is punishment in Korea, or I mean, punishment from like um, what do you say, top down top down punishment in uh, in Korea, and how even since I've been here, how it's uh, how it's changed. The first hog one I worked at the within the the first few days I was working, I I came out of my class and there was kids in a, in a handstand position and a teacher just crushing them with a with a meter stick. <laughs> I was like, dude, what are you doing? What? Are, he's like, they didn't. They got like eight wrong on their on their uh, vocabulary test. I couldn't like. I mean, coming from Canada, I mean, we've seen. Uh, Kids flip out on teachers. That's the stories our grandparents told us. Yeah, yeah. Or getting getting the strap. Yeah. I remember one of my first times was coming up the stairs, and right at the top of the stairs, the door opened, and then there was six kids on their knees with their hands up, and I thought, what, what's going on here? And I said, they were running in the halls. And I said, so how long do they have to stay like this? And and until next Wednesday. I was like, wow, (laughs) that's easy punishment. This is serious. Yeah. And then I learned. Then I was exposed to all the rest of them. But Mm. what were some of the wild ones you've seen? Uh, I think you guys can check with your wives on this one or your Korean co-teachers. <laughs> they call it the love stick. That's what I heard. The, the <laughs> I, stick that they whack the kids with. My wife tells <laughs> that something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one in Nate's top drawer. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But uh, they would call it the love stick because they were teach, you know, using it to discipline them and make them better. And we only hit you because we love you kind of excuse. Cool. Oh, yeah. That's what I heard at the beginning. Wow. Um, this is even from, from education. That spilled over into, um, into sports as well. And the one, um, the, what's her, one of the skaters. Wow. Can't, I, I can't, no, no, no. She was a she's a speech. Short, uh, recently, uh, it's become a big a big thing. Yeah. Okay, Sunky maybe. I can't remember her. Uh, I can't remember what is it. Don't don't butcher I, another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll spare her the. Miss Kim. Mrs. Kim. <laughs> anyways, she. I mean, um, she publicly outed her um, her trainer for for physically for physically. Um, abusing her or motivating using the motivation stick if you if you want to <laughs> if you want to do that but if you want to call it that but i don't know if you want to if you want to play devil's advocate you can say you know she's won several gold medals and silvers and she's she's done quite well in the olympics would it be offside to say without her, her motivation stick would she have achieved the same would she have achieved the same uh, you know the same results <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough position to argue it's but too many variables yeah sure. yeah now I've had some you guys have all probably had students in your class at one point that don't go to regular classes they're athletes at school oh sure yeah. right oh okay yeah and by the way listeners I keep doing air quotes like you can see me yeah <laughs> <laughs> but these kids are student athletes or athlete students okay right? and they don't go to regular classes they show up to do their tests yeah and they would be. They would continuously be abused by their coaches. Mm. Not that it doesn't happen at home, but but I remember some private lessons, and and I would ask the kid how he was. He said, "Ah, oh, not a good day," or whatever. He said, "Why?" My teacher hit me, and he showed me bruises yep. up and down his arm or his legs. And I remember when it started to change, the culture started to change, and it went from being wide open on the hands with with bleeding marks on their hands to now it was on the top of the tricep where they couldn't see the parents couldn't see because it was under the arm sleeve and then it went from there it migrated to the bottom of the foot so you'd take your sock off and they'd beat the bottom of your feet oh and my family did that before so it was it just kept being how can we do this where the parents wouldn't see it or nobody would think there's something wrong with with the kids so yeah i i've seen the evolution of how about your how about your own evolution from the time you jumped off the plane saw it the first time coming up the stairs and the horrific thoughts you had to now Right hooks yeah. have changed into yeah. into pads well, on the back. When I, when I see, I mean, <laughs> in I don't, class I don't, with your own teaching, I don't think the kids here are extremely well disciplined and behaved. But I also know at home that there's a lot of discipline issues. There's a lot of talking back, a lot of you know disrespect for elders and people like teachers or grandparents. And I wonder if maybe it shouldn't be a little bit stricter at home. I don't mean beating beating the kids, but it seems like there's a, a major lack of discipline. And that, respect at home. That was shocking for me at first when you, when I, I I know growing up at home, if a teacher says jump, you say how high, and you, you kind of stay within their within their rules, or it's just common respect. But when I came here, it was a it was insane, man. Kids were running around just complete disregard for any any authority, and that as a as a young twenty two year old, I think the my first reaction was just yell yell as loud as you can and try and get them to sit down. But obviously, that doesn't work. I, so, I used to just. Over twelve, yeah, over twelve years. I don't know. Maybe my skills got better, or uh, I've learned Your how. Your Korean to... got better. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Korean, yeah, Korean definitely does help. But I think just being able to control kids, or, or knowing how to talk to them, or, or probably just teaching skill is, is yeah. increased. Which I used which to, I used to isolate them and just take whoever the problem is and isolate them, <laughs> move their desk to the side, 
But throw me they, used to, they must have thought that that was a joke because they didn't have to carry the books on their head or, or the yeah, chair yeah. over their head or put their arms up for the motorcycle <laughs> or the chicken walk. It was always about the embarrassment. Um, but I could just simply move a guy to the side and then he was out of the equation. He didn't cause any problems anymore. So I don't think I was ever very extremely strict, but I used to like that you could look at a kid and say, hey, and they'd go, oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. At, at home, you know, I don't think they have that fear anymore. That so what you're the teacher who who are you I, I don't maybe I'm wrong but it seems that way but why uh, I don't know shouldn't a shouldn't a kid just be uh, I don't know I don't know I'm going with that they say what well, you know do they have to be scared of the teacher no they shouldn't be scared of the teacher the but teacher you should the also te- follow yeah. the rules the t- yeah the teacher should command should command respect through their through their skill or, or whatnot but bad kids are going to be bad kids regardless what side of the ocean they're on. Sure. Yeah. And uh, one thing I, I realized about the kids that, that would get whacked by teachers over here, <laughs> <laughs> they'd be bad the next day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, sure, and then, then you would have one kid who did something wrong and got hit, and then he would be fine the next day. Yeah. Uh, one thing, and the kids taught me this, the teacher, the pain stops quickly. Yeah. And they continue <laughs> doing what they're doing wrong. Right. Yeah. No, and, and, yeah, a lot of it's different learning styles, and, and whatever method you're using is not – you know, conducive to their learning style. So did it start to not bother you guys as much as the years progressed over here? I think it got less and less and less. I remember even in public school, maybe 2009 or 10, I remember seeing, for some reason, the grade six teachers were usually men. And I don't know if that's because the grade six kids are always seem to be the worst behaved, but (laughs) I still used to see them hit guys in the head and that, that really bothered me. And I would ask them about it and I would say, is that necessary? There's other ways to deal with this. But I mean, getting out of the private schools, I think you you miss a lot of that. You don't see that stuff as much. I'm sure it still goes on, but I'm not in that area, so I don't see it. But parents are paying big bucks to see results in a lot of these cases, and the teachers are very, very strict. I'm coaching a hockey kids' hockey team now at the college, and I remember when one of the teams came to play, and we were volunteer coaches, me and a couple of Korean buddies, and the other kids are paying big money to play on a, a private team. They come, and if they don't perform... That coach loses his job. True. The parents wonder why they're paying so much money and not getting the results. And he had them in between the first and second period, and he lined them all up, sat them all down, and he wrapped them all in the head with a stick. Whoa! And I thought, we're <laughs> never, we're never playing one of these, one of these teams again. I can't handle that. I, I want to hit that guy in the head. Mm-hmm. And that was only probably five, six years ago. So yeah, sports, sports over here is definitely very different. Still than just in the classroom. The yeah. classroom has evolved. Sure. I don't think sports has right. when it comes to discipline like yeah. that. And I think that's the money involved and you know trying to trying to get the most out of them, although it's not the most effective technique, definitely it still exists as a test to all these athletes now coming out and saying, when I was 13, 15, 16, and now they're 18, 19, 20, all my coaches assaulted me, abused me, hit me, beat me. So, yeah. Wonderful. Anyway, so... If your coaches do abuse you, or I think something we can learn is just jump in the jump in the ice water on May twelfth, and that'll keep the keep the bruising and in the and the, uh, in, the in the swelling down. It'll definitely make you forget about it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no doubt. But anyways, Troy, I want to say uh, thank you very much for oh, my pleasure, fellas, for coming out, and uh, we'll see you we'll see you in the summer, right? Next time, I uh, yeah, I expect now all the times when I come visit that I be recorded. So, <laughs> for posterity. I <laughs> This is what I was expecting when I moved back home. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Thanks for coming. I right, appreciate it, fellas. Good yeah. catching up with you. Take, Take care. care.